Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh, new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke, patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, warmest greetings to you, my dear friends, throughout the world, in Africa, Europe, the Americas, that is South America, North America, Mexico, uh, the Caribbean, Cuba, uh, wherever it is that you're listening to this broadcast, may the Lord change and transform your life by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and may the joy unspeakable and full of glory just fill you, that is, in and through the name of Jesus. This is Pastor Brad Abley with a Heart After God Bible teaching ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. We are about to begin in our 44th broadcast in the Gospel of Luke. Remember I told you we were going to take our time. We were not going to rush through this. Why? Because the, the title of this entire study is the Know Your Faith series. Well, how can we know our faith sufficiently if we rush through the Word of God? And so I want to what I'm trying to do is to teach us all to slow down with the Word of God and to, to search for it as gold, as we would search for gold. And that means we're paying attention to every single space that there is. We don't want to miss a thing. Isn't that right? I'm sure I can hear many saying amen. Now, before I get into the message, I just discovered... Um, only today. I had the thought to look into it yesterday, but I discovered today that apparently, now I'm not positive, but I have four books that I've written and they're all available on amazon.com. Well, I never mention it to you because I have always thought that it was that the books are only available in the United States or in Europe which they are, but apparently, according to what I saw today on Amazon, um, you can get, I, I don't know that it's in every country in Africa, but at certainly Kenya, where I minister, and Uganda, where I minister, apparently you can get my books through Amazon.com in those countries and other countries in, in Africa, and then in the Americas. I know Mexico, it's available. Um, in Brazil, other countries in Latin America or South America as well. Now, what are the books? Well, I have two devotionals that um, it, they're called, uh, well, they're called a Heart After God devotional. And the subtitle is Knowing God in a Deeper Way Through Key Hebrew and Greek words. Now, I have a special affection for these books. Why? Because in my seminary years, I studied 
I had to, I was it was required to take Hebrew for a year. Hebrew is what the Old Testament is written in, and it was a requirement to study Greek for a year. The New Testament was written in Greek. Well, I got to tell you, I did not want to take those classes. I was I was intimidated, but wow, the Lord, what a surprise he had for me. They were it was they were difficult classes to take. I mean, difficult languages. And yet the Lord got me through and my love for Hebrew and Greek has only increased over the years. And so what I did is that for years uh, after I got out of seminary was when I'm studying the word of God and I come to a, a word in the Old Testament or a word in the New Testament that I think is very important, I study, I look up with my Hebrew and Greek resources, the meaning. And, oh, my friends, my life has just been changed through the rich meaning of the Hebrew words of the Old Testament and the Greek words of the New Testament. Well, they were just for me. And so I would make notes. I would have 30, 40 pages of definitions and notes and commentary. And, you know, occasionally I would, I would, um, hand out the notes to people that were interested. And then my dear friend and senior pastor, uh, Bobby Hill, one day encouraged me to turn those notes into a book. And I did. And um, I I've been very pleased at the response, but I, I really would like to get into the hands of every believer in the world. And and that's why I just haven't mentioned it because, or, or I haven't mentioned it because I didn't think that Amazon um, sold to the whole world, but they do. Now, there's another book that I'm probably proudest of this book more than any of my four books, and it is an in-depth study of First Thessalonians, which is in the New Testament. First Thessalonians, again, it's called a Heart After God Bible Study Series, 1 Thessalonians, a church with a powerful legacy for today's Christian. And what it does is it explains verse by verse, almost as if, it, really, it's what I'm doing as I'm going through Luke, um, but it's just in, in a book form. So 1 Thessalonians, Thess, the church in Thessalonica is one of the most powerful churches of the New Testament. There is so much to learn um, as believers by studying that book. And so what I've written for you is a study or a commentary that explains that letter, only five chapters from the Apostle Paul. It explains it in depth. And um, my, my bibliography is like three or four pages long. So, you know, and with the devotionals, you know, I do major research and I make use of the best commentators and the best sources to make sure that what I give you is sound and accurate and anointed. And then I've also got a study or commentary on the book of Revelation, uh, but it's Revelation chapters one through seven. And it's a thick book. So you really have to be eager to study the book of Revelation, but that's available on Amazon as well. Well, if if you're able to get it, I'll be able to tell 
soon enough because hopefully the the sales of my books will be evident um, as as I look at the reports. It, but really, my friends, it's not it's not that I'm looking for sales, although I I, I mean it, this is a labor of love, but you know, I certainly need to get paid for it. And my dream is that the sale of these books would help fund my ministry. But that's not why I wrote the books. The, I wrote the books out of love and out of really just a desire to give back to the Lord um, by by making it available for his people. He has given me uh, a talent to write, and I want to make use of it for his glory and for the growth of his church. That's my that has always been my number one goal. I've never been motivated by money, uh, but I've only been motivated by doing uh, what is good and right and honorable before the Lord. So I hope that you're able to reach, if you're living in different countries, I hope you're able to reach and and get those books. Now, let's pray and let's get into our study today. Father, be glorified in many ways uh, through this message and teach us and change us and transform us, Holy Spirit, into the image of Jesus and let us produce great abundant fruit for you, Lord Jesus, both presently and eternally in your name we pray. And may this time glorify you, Holy Father, and glorify you, our Lord Jesus, and glorify you, Holy Spirit. Now, the title of today's message is The Compassionate Lord Over Death, Despair, and Tragedy from Luke chapter 7 and verses 1 through 10. Again, the title, Jesus, The Compassionate Lord Over Death, Despair, and Tragedy. Let's read it now. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. And when he had completed all his discourse, that is his teaching, in the hearing of the people. And, and that refers back to Luke chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. He went to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is where, that's where his his headquarters were, if you will. That He lived uh, with Peter and Peter's uh, wife, uh, presumably children, and Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, in fact, the ruins of that home are actually uh, can be visited and seen today. Capernaum, where Jesus lived, is right on the shore of the beautiful Sea of Galilee. Um, it's like a one-minute walk from the home. If not, it, 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 maybe it's one minute to walk from the home to the lake. And uh, that made sense because Peter was a fisherman, right? Now, and that, that's where he fished. He fished in the beautiful Sea of Galilee. So that's where Jesus lived. And that kind of makes, makes things a little bit more real for us. And most of his ministry was in Galilee, uh, the, the region of Israel called Galilee. Now, um, we come to verse 2, and Luke tells us, and a centurion's slave. Now, a centurion was a Roman, like a... He was like a, a captain of, of an army. So he had, uh, he had, a, he had many uh, soldiers and troops under him. It would be like um, a battalion 
Um, some say it was at least 100 soldiers. Some say 1,000 soldiers. It may have varied. But um, so this is a Roman uh, soldier who was a man of prominence and great authority. So verse 2, and a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him. Now, that's amazing that, that a centurion would hold his servant or a slave in high regard. But it was well known that these centurions were men of great character and compassion and integrity. And so we're not totally surprised that he would view his slave this way. But Luke wants us to see that this man had a, a tender heart. He was an exceptional man. So, and a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, verse 3, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. Verse 4, when they, that is the Jewish elders, came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying of the Roman centurion, he is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. Isn't that interesting, my friends, that they don't emphasize the slave that was sick and about to die. What they emphasized to Jesus is basically, look at this man's merits. He, he loves our nation. In other words, they want something from him. And it was he who built us our synagogue. Well, they want something more from him. That means that this man personally paid from his own funds to build a synagogue. That means also that he was largely likely to be what is known as a God-fearer, not a convert to Judaism, but someone who recognized that the God of Israel was the true God and he was drawn to the Jewish faith, but he wasn't, he wasn't thoroughly converted in that he probably was not circumcised. So the Jewish elders are more concerned about this man's status than they are about the servant who is on the verge of death. It's important that we point that out. Now, uh, verse 6, Jesus started on his way with them. Is it because of their persuasiveness? No, it wasn't because of that. It was because, as we're going to find out, it was because of Jesus' compassion, and it was because the Roman centurion is the one who asked him. Jesus was responding to the faith and the request of the Roman centurion, not to the Jewish elders. He knew that their motives were not right. Well, um, in verse 6, now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house, Surprisingly, the centurion sent friends saying to him, that is to, the, to Jesus, Lord, do not trouble yourself further. And then notice what he says, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, verse 7, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. 
but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Wow. Now, did you get that? The Jewish elders, what did they say? He is worthy. What did the centurion say? Twice, I am not worthy. Now think about this, my friends. The centurion was a far more, at least looking in the natural, he was a far more authoritative, prominent individual than Jesus, this, this what many thought was a lowly rabbi. And yet, the centurion puts himself under the authority of Jesus. That tells us that this man knew that there was something special about Jesus, that Jesus wasn't an ordinary man. No ordinary man could bring healing to someone on the verge of death. So he says, I'm not worthy for you to even come under my roof. And for this reason, I did not consider myself, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. So both ways, number one, I'm not worthy for you to even enter into my house and I'm not worthy to even come to you. But what happened here? This sense of of not being worthy was overridden by this man's concern for his slave, by his faith in Jesus that if Jesus would just say the word, his servant would be healed. What does that say to us about our need to trust him in faith? This is an amazing story. Well, what does he say in verse 8? For I, let me repeat the last part of verse 7. Again, the centurion says, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's amazing faith that he places in Jesus, the Son of God. And then he explains why he believes this in verse 8. For I also am a man placed under authority. See what he's understanding. I don't know how he understood it, but he understood that this Messiah subjected himself to God the Father and only did what the Father called him to do, as Jesus would later say, in John. Well, he says in verse 8, for I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I, I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, uh, do this, and he does it. Well, verse 9, now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him. This would have been a crowd of Jewish people, including his disciples. I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. Now, why would he say that? Well, the the Jewish nation is the nation that had the word of God. They understood the power of, of the prophets that healed like Elijah and Elisha and the miracles that Moses uh, performed. And what he's implying is is that the people of Israel ought to be walking in that level of faith because they have the word of God so available to them and they weren't. 
And here is a Gentile who, who demonstrates greater faith than even the people of the word of God. Well, verse 10, when those who had been sent, that is, this would be the Jewish elders, returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Jesus raised this slave up who was on the verge of death and 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 he ministered to the centurion who had great despair and was concerned about this tragedy and Jesus healed this man. How did he heal him? How did he raise him up? It's because of his compassion. It's because of the compassion of Jesus was moved by the man who was brokenhearted over the near death of his servant. Now, again, the title of today's message is Jesus, the compassionate Lord over death, despair, and tragedy. And what this passage demonstrates, my friends, is that it demonstrates Jesus as the compassionate and redemptive Savior of the world. He doesn't just heal bodies. He delivers people from the power of sin, forgives them, and gives them eternal life. And salvation comes in him alone and through no one else. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Do you know him as the one and only who can forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life? I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message in a short bit to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Now, this is a unique miracle in that Jesus acted on his own. There was no request from uh, from anyone. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of someone else. The, um, the thing that I want to mention is that Elijah and Elisha also raised the dead. Not that this, this servant was dead yet, uh, but they prayed to the Lord first. In contrast, Jesus didn't need to pray. He just, he just said the word, and this slave was completely healed. This is an amazing thing that we learn about this servant. Well, um, we are going to move on, and I want to spend some time praying for people to be healed. I think it's important that we pray for people to be healed of their sickness and of their diseases and for the Lord to do other miracles of provision as well. So I'd like you to join me at this time. And Father, I want to bring your church before your throne of grace. And I want to pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in every single life. You, Lord Jesus, are the great physician. Father, you are the provider of all of our needs. And I'm asking, we're asking together that you would be glorified through answered prayer today in this broadcast at this moment. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would release your supernatural gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
the workings of miracles, the, the gifts of healings be glorified in this time and set people free. Meet needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Friend, if you have a need, would you do something? Would you, would you lift your hands to the Lord in, in a sign of expectation and also a sign of surrender? Now, Lord Jesus, walk among the people. Walk among the people even now and touch their hands. Touch their heads. Touch their eyes. Touch their ears. Touch their mouth. Touch their shoulders and their knees and their ankles and their lower backs. Lord, in the name, in your name, Lord Jesus, we rebuke sickness, disease, cancer. Come out of the people in the name of Jesus. We rebuke malaria. Come out of their bodies in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the coronavirus. Come out of their bodies in the name of Jesus. In fact, I stand in the name of Jesus and curse AIDS from your bodies and the death sentence that AIDS brings. And I command AIDS to leave your bodies in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, be glorified as you are healing bodies and doing miracles all over the world to those listening to this broadcast. Now, Father, there are so many people that have financial needs and you are not limited by by jobs. You are not limited by income that might be limited. Nothing limits you except for doubt and unbelief. And we stand in faith now. And we're asking, I know you as my provider. And I, I'm asking, we're asking that you would do financial miracles of provision. Father, I thank you that... Um, I heard of a testimony recently of someone crying out in faith to you for a bicycle and you provided and they they thanked you as a it was a miracle from you. And I'm asking you would do miracles like that. There are those that can't afford to pay their rent. Would you provide financial miracles for them? There are those that can't afford to pay school fees for their children. Would you provide for them uh, supernaturally? There are those that are crying out to you, Father, for finances, for their businesses, for their crops, for vehicles that they need, for medical bills. Now, Lord, I'm coming to you in confidence and faith in your mighty miracle-working power, and I'm asking that you would do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine according to your power that mightily works within us in the name of Jesus. And now, friend, I want to just declare to you that if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you have your sin and you can't get rid of it. 
But you have an opportunity right now to surrender your life to him and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Pray with me now. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I've not lived my life for you. But I surrender my life to you now. I'm miserable in my sin. I have no hope of eternal life unless you look upon me with your grace and mercy. And I thank you that you have said that you would do just that. If I call on your name, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I call on you, Lord Jesus, right now. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have heard my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you are now my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that I have eternal life. And now, my friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on Amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after Him in every way.